Great, thanks uh, Chris very much. Just for a few minutes we want to pick up uh, kind of the theme that we're on and uh, it kind of mirrors our journey as a church. God's turning us inside out and upside down and uh, so we march on in our series Inside Out and this morning is called Being Good is Not Enough. Being good is not enough. And we know that that's the case. We know that Jesus calls us to follow him, not because we are good enough, because none of us are good enough. And just to put it into perspective, it's not that there are some people who are close enough to being good enough, and there are others of us who are miles away. All of us are miles away from being good enough. You okay with that? Start with the bad news. Yeah? Don't be under any illusion that if only you tried a little bit harder, you'd be good enough somehow to get to God or find Him. Because none of us are good enough, and that's why Jesus died. That's the bottom line of everything that we're about this morning, is that none of us are good enough. Not even close. And I say that as I begin because there is a temptation to think, if I try a bit harder, then maybe I'll make the grade. And sometimes I see people in churches who are living like that, thinking if only I try a little bit harder, then I hope, please God, that I'll be good enough. I want to say that's an awful way to live. It's an awful way to live because if you're, if you are as good as you can be, you will know every evening you could have been a little bit better. Don't you? And if you are good for a month, you, you look back over that month and you know that you could have been a little bit better. Uh, and, and so you're plagued with this sense of doubt. Will I ever be good enough? And it doesn't matter how good you think you are, all of us end up being plagued with that doubt. Will I ever be good enough? Let's settle the deal. None of us are good enough. And that's why Jesus died. Jesus said, I am the way, the only way, the way. I am the truth, the true way to live. And I am the life. No one gets to God except through Jesus. And so let's not forget that as we begin this morning. Being good is never enough because we can never make it by ourselves. However, once we start following Jesus, we do want to be good. We do want to be like him. We realize when it comes to following Jesus that the goal is in the end to be like him. That's God's plan for all of us that we will be like him. And one day, when the Bible says, when we stand before him uh, uh, at the end of our lives, we'll see him and we shall be like him. What an amazing moment that's going to be. And so we know as Christian people, the goal is to be as much like Jesus as we can. And so we come to church and we read our Bible and we say our prayers. And maybe we do several other things that are all absolutely good, right and brilliant things to do in order to help us become more like Jesus. But when we think about becoming like Jesus, we almost overwhelmingly think about becoming like Jesus in terms of his character. So if I'm thinking about what it means for me to become like Jesus, most of the time in our churches, 
we tend to think about, am I becoming a nicer person, a kinder person? Am I doing more good? Am I making some better moral choices, moral judgments? And so we predominantly think about our characters. How like Jesus am I becoming? Now, let's be absolutely clear. It is a very important goal to be like Jesus in character. For Jesus, that was really important that people who follow him would be like him in his character. And Jesus really ramped up what it meant to be like him. He would say things like, well, you know that in the Old Testament that you shouldn't murder anybody. I want to tell you that even if you get angry with someone, it's like you've committed murder in your heart. Jesus ramps up what it means to be like him in character. You've heard, Jesus said to the folks, that you shouldn't commit adultery. And they go, yeah, 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 we shouldn't do that. I tell you, even if you look lustfully at a woman, you've already committed adultery in your heart. And there's silence, especially from the men at that point. And they realize that Jesus' demands on our character are way up there, really important for us to learn to be like him in our characters. And Jesus said, the secret of being like me in character is not about trying harder, but it's about something changing in your heart. Character is a change of heart. Because in the end, what's in your heart will spill out. Have you ever tried being nice and loving to someone you can't stand? What happens after a short while? You give up. There is an inevitability because Jesus says, what's in your heart in the end will come out. And so what Jesus is looking to do in our lives to help us develop a character that's like his is to change our hearts. It's all about what's in your heart. And so it was really important for Jesus. He knew he was only with the disciples for three years. And he knew that it was really important that if they were going to understand what it was like to live with his ideals, his high character, that they would need to experience a change in their hearts. It doesn't matter how hard you try, you cannot change your heart, but Jesus can. Hallelujah. That would have been a good opportunity for someone to say something like there was a little bit of truth in the room. Jesus can change our hearts. (laughs) Thank you, Danny. (laughs) That's one we prepared earlier. (laughs) Not really. And that's something we have to invite him to do in our lives. And it was really important. And Jesus knew that he only had three years with his disciples. And so when they behaved badly, he, he would tell them off. He'd get cross with them. There was this time when they were kind of like, like wondering who, who was in charge. Have you ever looked around and thought, I wonder who's in charge here? I hope it's me. Or have you ever looked around and thought, I'm not in charge. I really should be. 
And, and, and Jesus is saying, well, that's how people tend to live. They want to be the top dog. They want to be looking down on people. They want to be standing on top of people so that others are underneath. And, and when the disciples started doing that, Jesus was no, you can't live like that. That's not the way you behave. You need a change of heart. But there was also something else going on in the life and ministry of Jesus. You see, Jesus had just three years with those disciples. And he, when, he, when he called them at the beginning of those three years to follow him, they knew what that meant. They knew that when Jesus says, come follow me, it was not just that Jesus wanted to help the disciples know all about his teaching. It was not just that Jesus wanted the disciples literally to follow him round. But in a society where rabbis would say to disciples, come follow me, they knew exactly what Jesus meant. Jesus meant, I believe you can do what I have been doing. I believe you can become like me, not just in character, but in also in what you do. You see, for Jesus, in those three years, he wanted those 12 disciples and others who would follow to have a change of heart, a new character, but also he wanted them to learn certain competencies, certain things that they would do in order to be like him. Because Jesus knew that in just three years' time, he would be asking them to carry on what he had started. And Jesus wants you to carry on what he has started. That's what he wants. And to do that, you will need a change of heart. You will need a character that is like Jesus. You will need to be loving and kind and generous. You will need to champion righteousness. You will need to seek purity for your life. You will need all of that character. But alongside that, there are some other things that Jesus wants to teach us to do so that we can carry on what he started. As you go through the story of the Gospels, you can see how Jesus was really determined to teach the disciples, not just to be like him in character, but to develop the skills, the competencies that they would need to carry on his ministry. So very early on, Jesus sends out the twelve. Jesus sends out the twelve to do ministry way earlier than your average church would let someone have a go at anything. That's the truth. Because Jesus knew he only had three years to get these disciples up and running to carry on what he had started. And so he sends them out. And through the whole story of um, the, Jesus interacting with the disciples, you can see on times Jesus having such a clear focus that he needed the disciples to learn that they were going to have to learn to carry it on and do it themselves. So when Philip says to Jesus, there's all these people here, how are we going to feed them? Jesus says, you give them something to eat. And that was a shock for Philip. He goes, What? Because Jesus is wanting Philip to begin to understand he's got to learn to do the stuff. Amen? God wants all of us to do the stuff. 
And we see times when Jesus is getting, almost pulling his hair out because they weren't learning it fast enough. The story that Chris read, the disciples were having a go at driving a demon out of a boy and they couldn't do it. And Jesus is like, oh my word, how long have I got to teach you? Our time's running out. You've got to learn this stuff because I'm going to heaven and you're going to have to carry on all that I've started. Other times he was like mad at them because they didn't have enough faith and Jesus knew if they didn't have faith that then the whole thing would go nowhere. And so through the three years that Jesus spends with his disciples and it's why he spent most of his time just with the twelve is because he knew that they needed his character and they needed certain competencies, certain skills in their lives in order for them to carry on what he had started. Now, some of us, perhaps many of us, as we begin to think about the fact that Jesus has uh, skills and competencies for us, might begin to get nervous. We read, don't we, the, 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 uh, the, the commandment to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And we're grateful that the church somehow is doing that. And as long as people are doing that, we, we tend to, con- uh, to, to be content but, but look closely at that verse as I've asked you to do many times. It's about the disciples uh, teaching new disciples to obey everything. We all get to do the stuff. We all need to learn to be able to do what the twelve were doing in order that the Jesus mission might continue. If we don't do what the twelve did, it won't continue, will it? And Jesus' plan is that it will continue to the end of the age and then he will come so we've got to learn some things character and competency and then there's this verse that people love to quote i'll tell you the truth jesus says this is towards the end of his ministry it's it's right towards the end and and he's speaking to his disciples he's saying look i tell you the truth guys you might not believe this but anyone who's got faith in me will what will do what i've been doing Now, most Christians, in their excitement, they miss out that bit. They go to the next bit, like we've got the first bit covered, right? They go to the next bit, and they go, oh, we're going to do greater things than Jesus. Whoa, bring it on. Listen, church, can I be really honest with you? I mean, I'm all for the greater things. But at the moment, I would settle for a church full of people that just did what Jesus did. Should we go for that first? You know, I'm all for coming back and working on the greater things when we got the first lot sussed, yeah? So everyone argues about what the greater things might be in order to not have enough time to do even the stuff that everyone knows we should do. So it was Jesus' intention that we would carry on what he started. That's the deal. But a number of us, perhaps many of us, as we begin to talk like this, are are suddenly full of self-doubt. How can I possibly carry on what Jesus did? How can I possibly have any real contribution to the ongoing movement of Jesus. And we we fill up with self-doubt and disbelief and lack of confidence and lack of assurance. And if we're not careful then, we turn Christianity into going to work and making sure I don't swear and I don't smoke. Because we think we could have a good go at those. And we shy away. I want to say something really important, and probably this is the only thing that some of us need to hear this morning. Jesus believes in you doesn't matter who you are in this place, doesn't matter how you've messed up, screwed up, doesn't matter what skills you think you've got, Jesus believes you can do it. Even as I say it, there are many of us who are going, I'm not sure what he's on about. 
Jesus honestly believes you can do it. This is for all of us. We all might be full of self-doubt. We all might lack uh, a sense of, uh, of assurance about what that means in our lives. Absolutely. We're learning. We're on a journey together. But Jesus says, look, in the end, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And I've appointed you to go and bear fruit that will last. Jesus says, I believe in you. You can be part of this story. You can have a changed heart and you can learn what you need to be a disciple-making disciple. How cool is that? You can be part of people's journeys. You can be an essential part of people's journeys. You will play a part in people's journeys that nobody else can play. Jesus says, I believe in you to carry on what I've started. Now, what might those things be? What did Jesus teach the disciples in those three years so that they could carry on what he started? Turn to someone next to you or around you or whatever. Turn round. That'll surprise the person sitting there staring into space. Just swivel around and go, hello, I'm here, ready to talk. What? What are the things, the competencies that the disciples needed to learn to carry on what Jesus started? What were they? Go, 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 go. Talk, talk, talk. Okay, pause then just for a moment to hold perhaps some of your things. You can carry on the conversation over coffee. What are the things? Don't tell me that Jesus bumbled through three years. He was really clear, genius leader. He, he knew exactly what he needed to give those disciples so that they carry on. What do I need? What do you need to carry on the mission of Jesus? We need a changed heart, a new character. But what are the competencies, the skills that we need to uh, learn? Uh, and one of, the, one of the obvious things right from the word go is that Jesus was teaching the disciples, they were learning, thank you very much, uh, to pass it on, to pass it on. Jesus knew that if the disciples didn't learn to pass it on, what would have happened? Not a lot. So he sends out the 12 and then he sends out the 72. Where did he get the 72 from? Well, because he sent out the 12 So very early on, Jesus is teaching them to pass it on. Freely you've received, it's in a whole chapter about the mission of Jesus going forward, freely you have received, freely give. I've asked Scott just to share with us for a few moments on on perhaps giving us a little bit of a reflection on on what does it mean to, to learn to pass it on. Um, any teachers in the room? Yeah, quite a few, I think. So um, you can back me up on this, and um, as can kind of educational psychologists and that. The best way to learn something is to teach someone else. John, do you agree? Yep. Best way to teach something is to, or to learn something, is to teach someone else. So when I was teaching um, sixth formers, for example, I'd, I'd get them, 
I'd give them a kind of quick rundown on something, tell them to read something, but then go teach something else. They learn it much better than if I just stood there and lectured for an hour. Um, but not just them, me, myself. I learned more in like one year of teaching uh, 17-year-olds than I did like, I don't know, four, five, six years uh, of education. And this is the dynamic that is built into the heart of discipleship, built into the heart of discipleship culture, uh, that as we're taught, we're then passing it on. This is Simon passing it on right now, by the way. Um, so Simon disciples me, but he expects me as part of that discipleship to go and disciple others. And through that, I'm growing. The people I'm discipling are growing. Uh, and now when he first asked me to do that, I thought, gosh, I'm not one of these, you know, I'm not one of the perfect Christians, you know, you know the type I mean. The ones who really got their stuff together. I am, you know, that's not me. Um, but what I found was, as I became responsible for discipling others, I kind of, it made me a little bit more responsible for what I was doing. I'd, I'd kind of look into everything I, I did as I went about my life. I'd look in, well, you know, what would God want me to do here? How would Jesus approach this situation? And as I did that more and more, what I found was really good stuff happened. And I wanted to tell people about that. So I'd go and tell the people I was discipling. I'd just tell them stories. So very naturally, passing it on became just meeting up with you know, friends and telling stories about what's going on in my life, uh, which is kind of what the early Christians did and also kind of what Jesus did as well. He was really into telling stories about what was going on, about how God was doing things in the world. Um, so if he can do that, and if that was how he did it, I think that's probably uh, how we should be doing it as well. Okay. Scott, especially because we sometimes think that teaching and passing it on is like a whole set of stuff that you've got to learn. I'm excited about Jesus. I'm going to pass that excitement on. God's done something in my life. I'm going to pass on the story of what he's done. I've read something exciting to me in the Bible. I'm going to share that with someone. We can all learn to pass it on. Now, we're not trying to make an exhaustive list this morning. We're just lobbing up a few things to try and get us to think about what Jesus needs to be doing in us to help us be part of the ongoing mission that he's calling us to. We, we need also, and Jesus taught his disciples, to learn where to invest. You've only got so much relational capital. You've only got so much relational time. Uh, we know we can't uh, build deep relationships with everybody. So we need to be careful and wise about our relationships. And we'll talk about that in a Sunday or two's time. They needed to learn to grow and sustain faith. Jesus got knocked with the disciples a lot of the time because they didn't have enough faith. Because Jesus knew that if they didn't have enough faith, they wouldn't do anything. If they didn't do anything, the whole thing would grind to a full stop. How many of you would love to be part of a baptism because you're part of someone's story? Honestly, I don't think there's a Christian in this room that would go, nah, nah, I take or leave that, whatever, whatever, what time's lunch? Do you know, I... I Deep in our hearts, as we love Jesus, we long to be part of someone's story, part of a baptism, because we're just caught up in what God's doing. But if I asked a different question, how many of you believe that one day you will? In the honesty of our hearts, many of us would say, I'm not so sure. Can you see why faith is so important? 
If we don't believe it, we won't go for it. If we don't go for it, it won't happen. And so Jesus again and again says, you've got to create a culture that, that, that is building faith. So what can you pass on? You can pass on faith. God does something good in your life. Make sure you pass it on. You hear something that God's doing. Make sure you pass it on as a responsible disciple. Uh, fourthly, they needed to hear, learn to hear God uh, speak. And again, I'm going to ask Scott just to reflect a moment with us about what, what, what might it mean to be learning to hear God speak? So this can still sound pretty scary, can't it? Trying to do what Jesus did and um, developing those competencies. Good news is we don't have to do it on our own. Uh, yeah, so... We've been left at least two ways that I know of, of uh, hearing from God. One is the Holy Spirit, and two is the Bible. And, you know, it's pretty good, pretty good uh, things to leave for us, yeah. So, we're not doing it on our own. An uh, example from, from my own experience is, I was kind of having to, to coach, that's, that's my role, by the way, missional coach. So I was having to coach some, some guys, I had no idea, I had a kind of rubbish day, wasn't sure what I was going to say to these people, just felt the Holy Spirit just saying, just, just listen, just listen. Now, I had to kind of, you know, develop my own ability to hear the Holy Spirit say that, but the good news is, like all good news, it's down to grace, that it's not a kind of, we don't have to be super brilliant at doing any of this stuff, we just have to learn some simple skills about listening to God. Uh, so, We've developed a few kind of, in, or we've, we've learned a few uh, tools for becoming more intentional in doing this. Uh, one of them is uh, what we call the learning circle. And anyone who kind of starts doing missional communities and joining a huddle learns this really quick. Where basically all you're doing is, uh, there's two sides to it. One, what is God saying to me? Two, what am I going to do about that? And we take the people in our huddle round that circle um, in, in six steps. We just observe, we reflect, we discuss, then we plan, and then we act on what uh, God is saying. Also, we, we develop tools to, to listen to God through the Bible as well. And this is something anyone can do. You know, It's not about being a, a biblical scholar or anything like that. So uh, there, you may have heard the, the acronym SOAP, Scripture, observe, apply, prayer. Something anyone can do. You just read a couple of verses, you observe what they're saying, you think, how am I going to apply that in my life today? And then you pray about it. Really simple. Doesn't take all afternoon, uh, and anyone can do it. We could go on, thanks God ever so much, thinking about different competencies that that we need to, to pray for people. Jesus was teaching his disciples to learn what it was to, to pray for people. Um, I just caught the end of what Andrew was saying at the, in the notices, and sometimes he says stuff worth listening to, and, and probably what he was saying about prayer was, was worth listening to, uh, and nothing happens without prayer. Uh, and what happened today was because of lots of different kinds of prayer going on, uh, and Jesus needs to teach us uh, to pray. So um, just for one minute, with the person next to you, uh, here we go, it's coming. One minute, with a person next to you, what, what might you need to learn a little bit more of just to nudge you a little bit nearer to being part of the story of carrying on what Jesus began? So what, what, perhaps one of those competencies spoke to you a little bit, 
Um, we don't build all of them in, a, in an afternoon. They're, they're a lifelong journey. Every one of us can do this. There's nothing about this. We'll all do it in different ways because of our personalities and so on. But all of us can be part of this story. What, what might Jesus be nudging you about to nudge you to be more like the disciple-making disciple he's calling all of us to be? Go.